Hello, I'm Alastair Cook. Welcome to Masterpiece Theatre. All right, had a little fun there. Um, we are doing this once again. Sorry about that. Uh, two weeks ago, I was ill and did not attend church. Last week, um, if you were in attendance, I had laryngitis and barely got through. So we thought for the sake of uh, our studio audience, you know, folks tuning in online, that we would just reshoot the video. So hopefully you enjoyed worship, um, announcements, time of prayer, being with us. Uh, uh, yeah, was it yesterday? Sunday? Two days ago? Um, but here is the sermon from Sunday done all over again. So um, let me just pull it up here and just give all of you a great welcome. If you don't know me, I'm Steve Keller. It's great to have you with us um, today. So here we go. Um, we've been in a series talking about the attributes of God, um, all the, the different aspects of God, his personality, his DNA. And it's it's been a pretty rich and meaningful time. And now we're at one that I have looked forward to preaching for quite a while. So um, let me pray for us and we'll, we'll jump into it, okay? Father, we thank you for the, the gift of technology and that we are able to do things in this day and age that were impossible in times past. And God, we thank you that, um, Lord, you are here today with us. Um, whether we were in the room on Sunday or we're tuning in right now, you are here by your spirit to minister your uh, life, your light through your word today. So Jesus, we lift you up and we thank you for what you're going to um, just sow into our hearts. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, um, as a married man of 34 years now to the beautiful Jane, um, I, I have always been amused when I open up the medicine cabinet and I, I see the descriptions on her beauty products, uh, mostly hair, but this goes for facial cream, I guess, and stuff like that as well. Um, I, it's just, it always cracks me up. I found myself time and time again just looking and laughing. Um, I'm sure some of you know what I mean, but I'm still going to give you some examples. Uh, words like, descriptions like Monday hair care or weekend glow. Uh, what happened to the other days of the week? Um, hurricane hold. I grew up in Wilmington, North Carolina, part of Hurricane Alley, lived through that 12 hurricanes. Is your hair product really going to hold my hairstyle in a 115 mile an hour wind? I don't think so. Um, then there, there are things like instant lift, high dive, uh, <laughs> age defying, platinum. And then of course we have the wide, wide world of curls. Um, curl activator, curl reactivator, Curl revitalizer, curl building, curl shaping, curl defining, curl enhancing, curl hydrating, curl control, custom curl. And then, of course, we can't live without miracle curl, all right? Um, it, it, it's just insane. But thank God, though, for men's products which balance the equation out, like uh, Viking Revolution Extreme Hold. See? See what we did there? What's the point? Well, the point is this. It's that in an attempt to sell product, the people who make these will say anything. 
that they'll say anything to get our attention, even if it makes no sense to any thinking person. But there is a real downside to it, and the downside is that it does rob our language of meaning so that later on when we use these words, that they really don't mean what they're supposed to mean anymore. Um, something is lost. Uh, it reminds me of the word artisanal. Um, that, that actually means something that is hand-produced in limited quantity by an artist through the use of traditional means or traditional methods. Does that, does that really describe a Subway sandwich? Um, I, I just don't think so. So what we're going to do today is we want to get really clear about one of the attributes of God. Um, we want to make sure we understand love. Today we're going to explore the love of God, and we, we want to make sure that we zero in and we get everything there is to, to, to uh, be gotten when it comes to uh, the love of God. Um, we'll start off by talking about two of the four words in Greek. Um, Greek has four words for love, four primary words. You could argue five, but uh, two of those words are eros and agape. Um, so let's start off by, by, by talking about eros. Um, when I was a kid and people thought about the word eros, they thought about love exciting and new come aboard we're expecting you we thought about a cheesy tv show called the love boat um that was what came to mind for everybody in my generation um the, the the love boat where every week very lonely but devastatingly good-looking people went on a vacation alone um, on a cruise ship, and every single one of them fell in love in one hour with the love of their life. Um, if, if you've ever seen it, that's, I'm sorry for you. If you haven't, don't go home and pull it up on Pluto, Channel 506, okay? Um, it is unwatchable, but it, it was, uh, the, the show was about an idealized eros, um, romantic, passionate love. Um, that, that dream we all have for romance, um, to, to find Prince Charming or Princess Charming, that's Eros. Um, it is a love that gives itself to someone in order to get love back. Uh, I love you, you love me, let's spend the rest of our lives together. That's Eros in a nutshell. And there's nothing evil about it. Um, you know, Eros is natural. Uh, eros is the stuff of your wedding day. We meet at the aisle. We take vows together. Um, but eros can fall apart. Uh, I, I One time I counseled a guy who uh, came to me and he said, I'm going to divorce my wife. And I said, oh my gosh, well, tell me about that. And he said, well, you know, basically she just doesn't make me happy. Um, translation, he was saying, I have wants. I have needs, I have demands, she doesn't meet them. That's a great example of a defiled eros. Um, as we went further in the conversation, uh, we discovered that, um, I discovered that he hadn't touched his wife, served his wife, affirmed his wife, listened to his wife in decades. But again, that's broken eros. That's what happens when this kind of a love is absorbed and it becomes selfish. So, 
that's kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly of eros. Agape love, on the other hand, is the polar opposite. Um, because in agape love, what happens is self moves out of the center. Um, agape love is all about the other person. Um, agape love seeks, get this, no self-fulfillment whatsoever. Um, it is unconditional. It isn't based on the other person performing or pleasing you or jumping through hoops for you. Um, agape loves unlovely people, sinful people, even people that we might find repulsive, no matter what. Uh, agape love is all about helping the other person become not just better, but the very best person they can be. Now, as you hear that, you don't have to squirm in your chair anymore and, you know, compare that against your spouse because agape love is not human love. It is divine love. What I just described to you, that is the love of God we run into all over Scripture. Um, this is the love of God for humanity, um, a love for people that do not deserve it, and it is all over the Bible. Now, last week, we, we uh, uh, were in Hosea, and we talked about how God's love is faithful. It's, it's a pursuing love. It's steadfast. Again, even when people don't deserve it, for example, you can take the Jews in the Old Testament, um, that, that nation of Israel that God chose and God named. We see agape love in God's relationship with them. Um, on Sunday, I, I stopped at this point in the service, and um, or the sermon, and I, I mentioned that when we talk about God and the Jews, a lot of times people will, will kind of get offended with that and say, well, why did God choose them? You know, you got a world full of people. Why does God just choose the Jews? Well, it wasn't because they were the best. Uh, they were the strongest. They were the wealthiest. They were winners. They were success stories. Um, super holy people. When it comes to God and the Jews, it's the exact or the polar opposite of that. Um, the Jews in Scripture, they're poorer than everybody else. They are weaker than every nation around them. Um, they, they lose every battle that God himself does not fight for them. The Jews in the Old Testament, they are notorious sinners, complainers, uh, whiners. And so the bottom line is they did nothing to deserve God choosing them. And the question still remains, well, then, then why did God choose them? to show us that God loves people. That's why he chose them. And also to show us what real love is. And so we can hear that and go, okay, well, but we still have part of the question hanging. What about the rest of humanity? Um, you know, uh, uh, why did, what about God choosing them? We can answer that question in one word, and that word is Jesus. John 3, 14 through 16 you may have heard this one before. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so Jesus, the Son of Man, must be lifted up that everyone, everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever, and whoever here means anyone, 
and everyone who believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so in the end, God not only made you, God chose you just like he chose them. Um, And that's all good stuff. But the question is this, do we really grasp that? Do we really understand that? Because for so many of us, the love of God is something we nod to, uh, we sing about it, we, we refer to it, we read about it. But to really grasp it, to really feel that love, to be captured by that love, to be awakened by that love, do we really get it? Well, that was certainly Paul's concern for us. Um, in Ephesians 3, 17 through 19, when he prays one of the most beautiful prayers in the New Testament. He says this, May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in his God's agape love. He uses the word there, agape. I pray that you might have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp it. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep is this love of Christ? To know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take everything we've learned in the attributes of God. All right, so we've had, I don't know, like nine weeks. Okay, we're going to take a bunch of the attributes and we're going to apply them to the love of God. Okay, Um, because God is self-existent. His love has no beginning. Because God is eternal. His love for you never ends. Because God is infinite, His love has no limits whatsoever. Because God is holy, His love is pure. Because God is omnipresent, all of His love is present everywhere, all at once. Almost sounds like an Academy Award-winning movie. Because God is omnipotent, his love is all-powerful. Because God is immutable, his love for us never changes, not even on our worst day. Because God is faithful, his love is forgiving, lavish, and pursuing. And because of Jesus Christ, God's love is accessible to everyone on this planet who has ever sinned, is sinning right now, and ever will sin in the future. (coughs) Excuse me, that's a little bit of that laryngitis. See, it's trying to, but it's not going to. So the bottom line is God reaches out with his agape, his pure, eternal, limitless, all-powerful, unchanging, forgiving, sacrificial love to all of us. That's the bottom line about the love of God. And we can hear all of that and say, okay, it's wonderful, love the concept, really want to buy into that, but I'm an American and I know this. Everything has a price. There is nothing that comes my way that that doesn't have a cost to it. So what's the damage to me when it comes to the love of God? What is this going to cost me? And that's a phenomenal question that has two very different correct answers. On the one hand, uh, the love of God, God's agape love, costs you nothing. Nothing. Uh, 
John 3.16 again. We quoted it a minute ago. Uh, when it comes to the love of God, Jesus paid it all, all of it. Um, he did everything necessary for us to be loved by God. Uh, he was the sacrifice for our sins. Uh, Jesus suffered. Jesus bled. Jesus died. Um, Jesus was resurrected. And it's by believing in him and receiving him as Lord that we are saved. Period. End of story. On the one hand, the love of God for you is a gift. It costs you nothing. On the other hand, and this is the un-American part of the sermon, it costs you everything. 1 John 3.16 says, Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. The cost for us, according to the word of God, is that we are not supposed to receive God's love and treat it like a broken eros by hoarding it, piling it up, storing it away for ourselves, us enjoying it, and that's the end of the story. Um, as individuals, we are called to do what Jesus did, to lay down our lives for other people, to love in the way Jesus did. Um, as the church of Jesus Christ, worship, prayer, and ministry can't just be all about us. When that happens, we cease to be the church Jesus called us to be. And so the church, what we've got to do when it comes to the love of God is we've got to organize ourselves around the Great Commission, which is all about sharing God's agape love with people in this world around us. And yet there's an irony when it comes to the Great Commission because the Great Commission can't happen unless it's fueled by agape love. In other words, the Great Commission will never happen without the greatest commandment. Listen to these words, Matthew 22, 37 through 40, and we're quoting Jesus. This is important. He says to us, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. In other words, everything we read in Scripture hangs on that nail of the greatest commandment. That's how important the agape love of God is for us in the church. And that, that's why anything else we do as Christians or as the church, if we do it without the, the love of God, without the agape love of God, it's a cheap imitation. No matter how much religion programming we wrap around it, that's how big a deal the agape love of God is. This attribute, which again is a communicable attribute. In other words, God models it, God gives it, and we are to step into it and live it. We share this with God. And so, dear friends, let us so love. As we have been loved, let, as God has so loved us, I'll say this, let us love one another. Because it is by his agape love that everyone will come to know who he is and know that we belong to him. Let me pray for us. Father God, I, I do pray at the end of this that you would give us all the grace to grasp your agape love. 
Father, I, I do ask that all of us, each one of us, would just have have um, just a real awakening to your love. And if it's what Jesus talks about in Revelation, where we return to our first love, whether we run into your love fully for the first time, I do pray for an ab- absolute revolution and revelation of your love for each one of us. Lord, bathe us in your love. Father, love us in places where um, we, we may never have received it before. We just pray that the light of your love would shine all the way through us. God, that your love would, would cast out, your perfect love would cast out fear, that your love would tear down walls that, that get in between us and you and us and other people. Father, we welcome your steadfast, loving, powerful love in our lives. Lord, cause us to to truly be an agape people. Holy Spirit, thank you for what you're doing right now in us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, friends, try and do this live this week, all right? God bless you. Have a good one.